Hello, I'm Arafat, I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Hello and welcome to our Australian Grand Prix preview. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Mohammed. Hi Mohammed. Hi guys. But even more special than that, we are joined by a very special guest, F1 Blag from Twitter Infamy. How are you? Hello, I'm great. Good to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. So you're a writer for the 44 and a long-time fan of Formula One. When did you get into Formula One? Gosh, you're going to age me here. Um, I was actually just replying to a tweet where someone had said, oh, this opinion that I'd had uh, shows I'd only just gotten into the sport when I was winning. <laughs> uh, sadly, I've been watching, I think, since about 1994. Uh, I, I think my first memory is that report of, uh, you know, with Murray Walker saying that Ayrton Senna yeah. passed away. Yeah. Incredible. Um, so, you know, you're part of the 44, you're a Lewis Hamilton fan. As someone who was watching Formula One before you even came in, what made you drawn to him if you like or, or a fan of his yeah it's a good question i mean um it's probably going to sound really biased but i just like good drivers mm-hmm. <laughs> i like drivers that are quick uh, yeah. and that are clean um and like i think throughout his career even in an off season or something where he's had a bad year he's been unfailingly quick in any machinery mm-hmm. so that's how i started and obviously now we get to know lewis the person and uh you know an aspirational human being so good stuff Amazing. So you said there that you like good drivers. Apart from Lewis, right now on the grid, who else are you keeping your eye on? Oh, this this could be controversial. Uh, so uh, I actually really like uh, Sergio Perez. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe he went down a couple of points um, at the end of last season, but but honestly, like he was clean yeah. in Abu Dhabi against uh, mm-hmm. Lewis, and I really loved it when he won uh, the race in the Racing Point. So yeah, I, I yeah. think he's probably my number two on the grid at the moment. Cool. Um, so what we're going to do is start with a little game where I've found a tweet from the last week. I'm going to read it out, but I'm going to blank out a couple of the words. And then both of you are going to have to guess what the words were. I'm going to have a quick chat about the week, the, the week, the tweet. So porpoising is an issue on most 2022 F1 cars. Red Bull have found their solution in a blank, 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 blank suspension innovation. What are those four blank words? This is always hard for me because I can't think of a phrase that has four words in it. Yeah, Muhammad's brain is stuck in wordle <laughs> mode. So he's always just thinking of five letters. <laughs> yeah. I got this. Give me a sec. No, I, I'll, I'll give it a go. It has to be four words, right? Well, you can stretch it out. But I've deleted four words from there, yes. Yeah. Okay, so I think it's porpoising is an issue on most 2022 F1 cars. Red Bull have found their solution in a Massey trapped in the suspension innovation. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Mohammed, do you want to have a guess? Yeah, Red Bull have found their solution in a pie-in-the-face suspension innovation. Not far off the general theme. So this is actually a tweet from Craig Scarborough where he said, Red Bull have found their solution in a very clever and legal suspension innovation. So in of itself, not a very exciting tweet but he put it out on the 1st of April and he was talking about how Red Bull had filled their suspension with some sort of non-Newtonian fluid that was a lot like custard and they were at risk of having pie in their face and blah 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 and I was at work when I saw this I totally forgot it was April Fool's despite (laughs) me celebrating all morning I was reading it 
very very quickly in between things and I didn't read the ra- the last tweet where he said you know this is a joke hashtag April Fools and I was like oh and I have no engineering knowledge everybody that listens to this <laughs> knows I have no idea how a car works um so I happily believed the whole thing I was telling other people about it so I just wanted to bring it up today so that people knew that I knew I was wrong so that everybody doesn't need to point it out to me. (laughs) But shall we get into the news? F1 Black, why don't you tell us what the big news story of the week is? Well, of course, it was the 2.30 a.m. press release that Formula (laughs) One is returning to Las Vegas. Must be that, right? Yeah, of course. So, Mohammed, you're our resident American. Um, Were you aware of Formula One being in Las Vegas before? I mean, I think people have been talking about it for so long that they want to do a race in Vegas. And, mm-hmm. you know, the buzz was building after Miami sold out. They're like, yeah, we're going to do this big, flashy race. It's going to be in front of Caesars Palace. And um, so I think, like, it was inevitable. Like, we all saw it mm. coming. Do the, like, okay, I don't know if, have either of you been to Vegas for, like, conferences or work or vacation no. or anything? No. So no, Vegas, no. <clears throat> Vegas is just one street, really, with all the hotels on it. The rest of Vegas is a desert. Like, there is nothing beyond that one street. So when you go there, you have a lot of fun on this one street, on the strip. But then when you're, like, done or whatever, that's it. Like, there's nowhere else for you to go or anything. So the the street grid and stuff, it's not very well developed enough to have a really nice street circuit on. It's not like Monaco, you know, mm. uh, or even Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan or Baku, they have, like, the grid form, right, where you can kind of mm. make it work. Vegas isn't really like that. So when they said they're going to do a street circuit in Vegas, the question is like, okay, what are you going to do beyond one straight? And I guess the answer was like two more straights and maybe a curve. So <laughs> they, they're they doing it for the flashiness and the appeal. And I get that because they wanted it with their Miami race. They wanted to race on the beachfront with the palm trees and mm. they weren't allowed to do that. So I'm very like on the fence about how this is going to end up turning out. You know. Well, in terms of the location, so... Obviously, Formula One was there last time in 1981 and 82, and it was a very temporary circuit. They, they put it in the car park of Caesars Palace, and it wasn't even called the Las Vegas Grand Prix. It was called the Caesars Palace Grand Prix. Huh, nice. And the drivers hated it because they all, like, cooked and dehydrated in the desert heat, um, and no one really showed up, and Caesars Palace made a massive loss on it. But I was reading Joe Sayward's blog, and he was talking about how the environment of Las Vegas has changed because so much of gambling has moved online. Like when people think of Las Vegas, they think of casinos and things. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually because there's so much gambling available online now, Vegas is losing a lot of that. And especially because of COVID restrictions and whatever else. So they're trying to move their image into conferences and sports events and music concerts and more family friendly orientated things. And so it's almost in that sense, the time was right for, Vegas to want Formula One back. Hmm. What's interesting is usually Formula One take money from a promoter and the promoter tries to sell tickets. So let's say, I don't know, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, and that's where like governments get involved in things. So Formula One just takes their fee, and if you make a loss, that's on you. They don't care. Formula One is acting as their own promoter in Vegas. They've cut out any middleman, uh, which is interesting I think um, because they could make a loss and I think that's why the contract is only for two or three years so that if the whole thing goes wrong they can just pull out entirely but 
Formula One believe in this so much they're willing to take the financial risk, which they don't normally do. So I think that's interesting. I mean, isn't it also possibly a lost leader? So I would imagine that they're doing this partly, as you say, Mohammed, because of the aesthetic, you know, them driving down the strip. So even if they lose money on the event, they're probably gambling that they're going to get enough revenue from just increased viewership elsewhere. Do do you think that's Mm. possibly the angle? The way it is right now, because America is so wide, it's difficult for if you don't live in that part of the country to go to the race. So right now the race at in Austin, like me being on the East Coast, it's not easy for me to go to a race in Austin. Like planning it is the way I would plan a larger trip to like Europe or something because of because of the the distance. So they've got one now on the East Coast in Miami. They've got one now down the middle of the country in Austin. So the next logical place for them to you know, build their viewership would have been the West Coast, which is Vegas. So I understand why they've done it, and I don't think it will be a, a loss. I think the question is is more like, is this the, the direction they want to go in? Do they want to build more American viewership, or do they want to keep it more of an international sport in more exotic locations? You know, I think that's, I think that's what the question comes down to. I don't really know if I have an answer to that, to be honest. F1 blog, what do you think, you know, as someone who has their hand on the pulse of Twitter, I saw a lot of, you know, people being quite upset that why why does America have three races and things? What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Uh, I did tweet earlier in the week, sort of look at however many, like one point something billion people in India, no Grand Prix, uh, and the US will have three. Uh, you know, ultimately, the, the sport is owned by Liberty Media. They're an American company. I don't think it should surprise any of us. Do I agree with it? If the tracks were all amazing, uh, I'd be fine. Uh, I worry a little bit about this track. Uh, Actually, Mohammed, when you said that uh, the strip is the main feature of Las Vegas and there's actually very little off it, then maybe the track can be wider uh, and Mm. then we'll get some actual racing. I don't know. Mm. Um, So yeah, personally, maybe I'm uh, not as sentimental. I just care if it's going to be a good Grand Prix, I'll tune in. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think they do have room to work with, you know. It's not like... So maybe that is a good thing, because it's not like a city grid that's already locked in that they can't do much with. There is room for them to construct new corners and kind of make it work. I just hope it's not as, like, cat-shaped as the as the grid that they came out with during the uh, the announcement, because that, I don't know, that didn't look very fun to to race. But Arfa, you had a pretty interesting take on the, the grid that was released. You thought that... It would be really good, specifically for um, Lance Stroll. Yeah, so Lance Stroll always does well at Monza and Azerbaijan. He can go very, very well in a straight line and then do a 90-degree turn. So I'm going to call it now <laughs> Lance Stroll. Oh, am I going to say podium? Yeah, podium in Las Vegas. I'll, 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 I'll risk it. Uh, all on green, I guess. In an so Aston Lance Stroll, Martin? <laughs> Yeah, I know this is it's going to be a big gamble. <laughs> but I think he will do well there because that's that's his type of track. But um we were talking about, you know, Liberty Media owner, you know, it's their choice I guess how we're going to race. If you were the owner of Formula 1, how would you organize the 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 calendar of the World Championship? I mean, we'll come back to the tweet you mentioned where you'd put you know, Monaco has 0.04 million in their population, but has a Grand Prix. And you had you you you've done a list of all the different places where people race and the, the population size. How, how would you go about doing it? 
Yeah, it's a good it's a good question and um, slightly off topic, but but related. I think there's a stat that says whatever music you were listening to when you were 14, uh, you kind of love it for the rest of your life. And I think the same is possible for Formula One. So, <laughs> I, I you know, first of all, I probably wouldn't have this many races. Mm. Uh, and that might just be because of self-denial and a preference for how things used to be. So, you know, that would mean a lot of pressure uh, dropping, you know, another seven races off the calendar. Um, you know, what, what else would I do? There are some, you know, quote unquote, traditional tracks that maybe probably need to shape up or, or shape out. So, um, you know, it's probably sacrilege to say, but when was the last uh, Monaco Grand Prix where you were gripped? It might have been the one where Lewis had no tyres left uh, <laughs> yeah. and kept, kept Ricciardo behind or, or was it Verstappen? I, I, I always think Monaco's a very dull race. I put a poll out on our Twitter saying to people, would you keep Monaco or would you kill it? And I think 55% of people wanted to keep it. But I, I was very much of the opinion. I, I wouldn't miss it if we got rid of it. Yeah, I mean, th- it's the difference with IndyCar, right? Indy 500, uh, for those uh, that look stateside at, at other sports, is actually a fun race because you have overtaking all the way through. I know mm. that some people will say it's just left turn, left turn. Uh, but like there is room to overtake. Whereas I think the evolution of F1 cars, you know, the size, I, I also tweeted like, the relative size of all the cars it's just yeah, now so impossible with the yeah, ferraris yeah yeah <laughs> and and the cars this year are even bigger because i think in the picture that you tweeted it had a 2021 car i think it was leclerc's car from last year so yeah i, I think monaco is going to be even tough this year so i think formula one should keep the reputation as a as a global race and i really like the idea of them racing in all different like corners of the world so for me, like, the fact that there are so many European races is kind of, like, I kind of don't like that. Like, why do we need a race in, you know, Austria, but then one right next door in Zanvoort and right next door in Belgium and whatever. I feel like we cut down on some of the European races. I don't think we need three American races, but I think two American races is okay. Like an East Coast, West Coast, uh, or maybe like an Austin, Miami. I think that's actually fine mm. because, again, America is so big. Um, yeah. But I, I think we keep it more more global. Uh, it would be cool to have one in Africa, uh, maybe reopen the one in India, maybe keep the one in China and then Japan, Malaysia. So keep it like a like a really cool like globe trotting thing. But I would yeah. not. The schedule of it is really insane right now, where you're like <laughs> literally zipping all over the world. Yeah, maybe I think ha- they need to stop going left and right. They need to start in Australia and gradually and move, move across. Yeah, exactly. And finish yeah. in Las Vegas. Yeah, or even Brazil. Brazil's in this side of the oh, hemisphere. Yeah. They could so. finish in Brazil. Yeah. I'd take that. I-, I like the idea of Middle Eastern races too, because like I said, every region should have like a race, but do we need yeah. like Bahrain, Qatar, Abu Dhabi, Saudi Arabia? <laughs> like, yeah, like so I, w- I would do, like you said, you know, going all over the place. You, South Africa is the one that is most likely to appear in the next couple mm-hmm. of years. But even some stuff in North Africa, yeah. um, you know, people talk about, uh, Morocco or Egypt or something like yeah. that would be quite interesting I think that year that you were talking about with the Caesars Grand Prix uh, Caesars Palace Grand Prix mm. there was a Marrakesh street circuit which yeah. would be really interesting if they brought that back Morocco I think is a really good country to race in because uh, you're not worried about like um, like uh, instability because uh, it's, it's a pretty it's like probably the most stable northern African country and uh, it's very like um, I don't they I, had uh, Formula E there, didn't they? Or do oh, they still they? go there? I have no idea. Hmm. I'm not as up to date on Formula E. So yeah, they race Formula E there. 
Yeah, I was going to say it's pretty, like, amenable to, I don't want to say, like, Western tourism, but, like, uh, I, I guess the idea of, like, all these people coming in for a weekend, mm. like, you need to be able to host that, right? So they're mm. pretty good for that. I don't know, I, I think that'd be a really interesting race in Morocco. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I mean, I'm going to play devil's advocate here just to keep it interesting so we don't all violently agree. Right? So, <laughs> so if if we own the sport, what are we trying to do? If we're trying to sort of make a profit, then I think that's probably why, what motivates Liberty to do sort of 23 plus races yeah. a season in high uh, income countries, yeah. um, you know, etc. Um, and the Orange Army is why you're going to go to Austria and then go to <laughs> Belgium and then go to Zanvar. Like right now, Max Verstappen sells, sells tickets. Which yeah. is why you're going to have those races so close to each other, and and not to get too conspiratorial, but I was looking back at last season as I was compiling my list of countries with sort of five people in them that have races, and am I right in thinking that okay, 2020 we had to have a couple of double races, but what did we have two races in Austria last year? Like what was yeah. that about? Yeah, I I think some of that was the COVID thing. Like we couldn't figure out where to put the second race, so we're like, yeah, we'll just do it in the <laughs> the Red Bull the Ring a again, second yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> I quite liked the Bahrain outer ring. I thought yeah, that was a good double one. It's like high did. speed, like flying yeah. to the wall. <laughs> I, and, uh, yeah, I yeah. think it was a good race because Sergio won and things. But yeah, I enjoyed that one. Yeah, I think what was good was, um, you know, they tried something new. It wasn't the most complex of tracks, but, you know, it was entertaining. Um, and, you know, it. people say, oh, you can't go to Laguna Seca because the F1 cars would go around it in less than a minute. Well, if I recall, the Sakir circuit was around a minute mm. or just under. So, yeah. you know, yeah. opens up other options. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But to answer your question about making money, I feel like Formula One would make money anywhere it went. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it wouldn't make money everywhere it went. Maybe I'd run Formula One into the ground. I'd get kicked <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> They'd remember my time running it as an era of infamy. They'd welcome Liberty Media back. Yeah, that's what yeah. would happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I mean, if, if you're the one that finally finishes it off after all the incompetent leadership in Team F1, then you know, you're going some. Um, but I mean, if, <laughs> I, I, the, the other thing to think about, and it is linked to money, is that in some of the developing countries or emerging economies, the local government is using taxpayers' money to, to you know, hmm. fund F1 to say, right, here's, you know, uh, double figures, millions of dollars, can we yeah. have the race, and then we'll see if we make a profit. Um, and so there and is a question... They don't. They don't make a yeah, and, and often they don't. Yeah, because mm. it's uh, you know various political motives to have a race. So um, you know, thinking about going to developing countries and expanding the reach, you've also got to think like, is it ethical to take taxpayers' money and feed it into the FIA and Liberty Media uh, machine? I don't know. Yes, <laughs> we need to keep those millionaires millionaires. Um, otherwise. We might not become millionaires one day. Isn't what that is, how money works? What is the point of Formula One if you can't have like a, a yacht club party thing on the side? Because look, they had it in Monaco. It was so fun. Everyone loved it. They're doing one now in Miami. They have one in Jeddah. Let's let's do it. Let's keep it rich. And, do you and not have a yacht? Fun. Not yet. But that's why I want to run Formula One. So I can afford yeah, exactly. these things. Yeah. So, yeah. so we'll, we'll take our yacht around these places. <laughs> Um, speaking of places near water, so the Australian Grand Prix is coming back. I'm actually really excited for it. Um, I've got fond memories of the track. Like, I've never been there, um, but it's, it was always the first one, you know, whatever mm -hmm. Formula One game you played, whether it was 2009 or 2020 or whatever it was, it was always the first track. So whenever I started a, a career campaign, it was, it was the track I've probably driven the most on a computer game. Um, what do you think of it? 
Yeah, uh, well, I know they're making a few tweaks to the circuit, but um, yeah, I, I like it. Um, I, I'm a bit of a sadist, so one of the things about Las Vegas <laughs> I don't mind is getting up in the morning. I think there's some romanticism about waking up early yeah. to yeah. watch a race. I think they've moved it later, uh, so you don't have to wake up as early UK time. But yeah, it's okay. There's a question about, um, you know, is it a boring one-stop? Can you overtake? Um, maybe the changes they'll make will help that. I don't know. What do you think? Well, just real quick before we talk about the changes, I just want to say something. As an American, I have to wake up so early for Formula One races regularly. They're always so early in the morning on a Sunday. Who wants to wake up at 7.30 a.m. on a Sunday? So I'm very happy that Europeans need get like a little taste of their own medicine for a bit. They get to wake up early. Yeah, wake up early. Watch these races at... 2 a.m. or whatever it is for you, okay? Because I'm going to be waking up at a normal time. Actually, I'll probably just stay up from, from Saturday. Yeah, what time Friday. is the Australian Grand Prix for you? I think it's um, 1 a.m. So I don't even have to mm. sleep. I could just stay up. I don't know. What time is it for Fair you guys? Enough. Like 5 a.m. or something? No, 6. I think it's 6. Yeah, it's usually yeah. 6 or 7 in the morning. Yeah. Do do some do some waking up early, okay? So we, we Americans do the rest of it for you, so, yeah. yeah We're mean... still young and <laughs> go to bed late. I... I don't know about F1 Black, but I have a small person in my house that makes me wake up very early every day. So it's not a problem. Me and her will be up watching the race, no problem. Yeah, I, I, I must say that I'm an early riser. Uh, and now with kids also, uh, I've kind of found it harder to wake up when other people are trying to wake me up, which is ironic uh, and unhelpful. <laughs> but, um, Mohammed, not just not to flex European privilege too much, but I think that the <laughs> Las Vegas Grand Prix has been scheduled at a time when you'll still have to wake up at 2.30 a.m. and it will be at 6 or 7 for us, uh, by which point I'm usually awake anyway. So, uh, yeah, sorry. Joke's on you. I'm flying to Vegas for that race, so I don't have to wake up. <laughs> in a party. Yeah. yeah. You should try and get tickets. We can send you with a little GoPro and you can tell us all about it. Yeah, that'll be fun. Bankrupt yourself. Because <laughs> I'm convinced. with Because you saw these tickets in Miami being like four million pounds for one ticket. If yeah. Formula One is acting as its own promoter in Vegas... They will not make a loss. Like the cheapest ticket is probably going to be like five thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised. Miami tickets were literally like hundreds of dollars for the cheapest seat. Like it mm. was the cheapest ticket, which is what I got, was four times the price of the cheapest non-general admission ticket at Silverstone. To give you like perspective, so yeah. F one black. Have you attended any races? I have, although probably not as many as, you know, you see on Twitter, everyone's got merch and is going to all the races. So I, the last race I went to was the Belgian Grand Prix, it, oh, but nice. it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I tell a lie. The last race I went to was a Brazilian Grand Prix. I was living there for a couple of years. Oh, wow. uh, it was miserable with rain, but it was the <laughs> race where everyone said uh, Verstappen is a genius because he yeah. nearly spun mm. off, but then yeah. Hamilton still won. It was yeah. that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, so the ticket price there... Uh, the Brazilian currency was not cheap, so I'd say it was a three or four hundred pounds, uh, and mm. that was to sit in the rain down the end of the Heta uh, Oposta, I think it's called. So yeah, wow. um, not a ch- not a cheap sport to go and watch. No, so I, I've been to Silverstone, and again, hundreds of pounds. It was a birthday present that someone gave to me. But I actually went to the Spanish Grand Prix, and I think I paid ninety pounds or something for general admission. So I could just walk in. I didn't have a seat or anything, and I was walking around. And if you watch on the TV turn one you can see a little person in a black t-shirt wandering around that's me um, <laughs> and it was 2016 of all the times to go to spain i was there in 2016 
But I actually enjoyed that. I know it's a boring race generally to watch on TV, but just the freedom of being able to watch, because it's not a busy race, not very many. The crowd wasn't like Silverstone. So you had so much freedom just to walk around. Mm -hmm. It was so cheap. But Vegas will not be like that. So when you went to that race, it was like a very exciting first 30 seconds. And then where you (laughs) just sat down for the rest of it. Yeah. Sad. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime I attend a race, Lewis Hamilton does badly. What um, happened that year in Silverstone that you went? Did he, he not came perform? second, so he didn't do bad. So I I was in Silverstone the year where Mark Webber won, and mm. he said, you know, not bad for a number two driver. Um, wow. Of all then, the years to go to Silverstone, you went the yeah. year Mark Webber won. <laughs> yeah. And I went to Singapore, and Lewis ended up having, when was that? I think it was 2015. Lewis had some sort of failure. And you could just see him gradually, you know, the leading pack would go past and then Lewis and then bit by bit and bit, the gap got Ooh. bigger and bigger and bigger. Then I actually left before the end of the race to avoid the rush out. Um, I didn't even see the end. That's depressing. Let's talk about Australia. So the, they've made these changes to the track. Um, I, so I actually don't know why they've done this. Is it for better overtaking? Is it because the track was getting too narrow? Do you guys know why? I think so. I think they've done it to improve overtaking. So they've widened lots of different parts of it, including Mm -hmm. the pit lane. And um, there was a turn 910 complex, which was a heavy right-left corner, and they've turned it into sort of a fast sweeping one. Mm -hmm. So I think all in all, the lap will be about five seconds faster. Longer. Okay, faster. Faster. And I, I think just even having the wider entries and exits into other corners will allow people to take those corners a bit faster Mm -hmm than previously so the track is supposed to be faster maybe it will lend to more overtaking not sure i guess we'll just have to watch it and see well, you know when they did this in abu dhabi last year i th- i thought the changes were worth it i thought you know there were because like i mean this year you can see the cars can follow each other much closer but last mm. year uh instead of like one solid overtaking spot in abu dhabi there were like yeah. two or three so i thought it was better racing um the race was ruined by nicholas latifi but other than that uh i don't don't want to send hate his way but he did crash into a wall Uh, (laughs) isn't isn't he three for three like he's had three crashes in the last three races yeah we were talking about this last time where where is the line of because on the one hand you kind of want to be like if i was the owner of williams and someone kept Mm. putting my car in the wall i'd be upset on the other hand Grosjean was very very crashy but he got a sports psychologist involved is latifi going through something rough are we, should we be sympathetic? And you know, none of us can drive a car as good as he can drive a car. So, can we judge? Or actually, is there a point where you have to go? Even people in the sport and the no journalists and things are sort of making rumblings that his performance isn't good enough. What What do you think about Latifi? Yes, uh, I've got to like be careful with my words uh, here because of how annoyed I was in Abu Dhabi. I think <laughs> yeah. first of all to kind of. Uh, you know, condemn anyone that sent abuse his way. And I mean real abuse, not sort of Karun Chandok level uh, sort of abuse. Yeah. Um, I, so, look, he's, he's had three crashes, I think all of which have been on his own in a race, uh, in the last two races. It's probably too small a sample, right? We're probably mm-hmm. looking at it and going, oh, it's terrible. So I would give it a, a few more. But if it keeps happening, you know, there's, back in the 90s, um, I, and I don't want to bring race into it, but people would sort of lambast Japanese drivers or, you know, other ethnicities who would have a few crashes and say, oh, they should have their super license taken away. 
Um, if he keeps crashing like this, then there is a question, is he is he actually capable? And actually, you've got lots of capable drivers banging on the door trying to get in. I know we don't want to talk about race, so I'm going to talk about race. All I know is that the <laughs> two Canadian drivers on the grid are Lance Stroll and Nicholas Latifi. And from what I've seen from them, they're no Jack Villeneuve. I feel like we need to not give out super licenses to Canadian drivers. That's my but le- unbiased like, take. Stroll, I-, I feel he's good enough to be there. I don't think he's going to be world champion one day, but I think he's done enough in the junior formula and he's had podiums and things in Formula 1. I think he's a fine midfield driver. I don't have anything amazing to say about him, but I don't really have anything bad to say about him either. But it's... It's the Latifi thing is is more complicated. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we can't forget Latifi looked like he was matching George Russell on race pace for much of last season, and mm. on occasion outqualified him. So that's true. You know, he's not he's not ridiculously slow or or in, incapable of running a race. Um, so I guess we've got to give him a bit more of a chance. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely uh, don't agree with your point about uh, <laughs> Canadians. Uh, just just to note that for all the Canadian people on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, I, I, there is a question. Uh, and yeah, if you're Jost Capito or whoever yeah. pays the bills at Williams, you'll look at that in a few races, I think. But you also mentioned Karun Chandak. You said his that, that level Something of amazing has happened this week with regards to Karun Chandak well, that made you... me so happy. I laughed so much. You you say amazing. I I wouldn't call it amazing. Garon, just for the the record for our our listeners, for him if he ever listens to this podcast, is a friend of the podcast. I want to make that clear. We don't have any ill feelings towards him. When I first ever got into Formula 1, I texted Arfa and said, "Hey, I really like this Indian commentator guy. Who, you know, what what's he about?" And so, <clears throat> I've always liked him. He's been my favorite commentator on Formula 1. His voice closes us out every episode. He's the guy that goes, oh, it's a slow pit stop. He blocked me on Twitter for <laughs> the stupidest thing. And I wasn't even talking about him. I tangentially mentioned him in relation to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. I didn't mention, like, I didn't say it was his fault. I didn't accuse him of anything. And he blocked me. And I felt like I felt like Chris Rock when he got slapped by Will Smith. That's what the tweet was about. He was talking about the Oscars, and you brought up Abu Dhabi. (laughs) (laughs) That's what what happened. He was talking about the Oscars, and I brought up Abu Dhabi, and then he just, like, insta-blocked me immediately. And um, I'm very upset about that. I I, kind of stood there for a second going, dude, it was a joke, because it was a joke. But um, we've been blocked now by my favorite commentator. We we have sent an email. <laughs> we we have reached out to his team. Yeah, to, to invite him on so that we can talk oh, really? to him about it in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that would be interesting. I'm I'm like trying to practice extreme empathy here, right? Because <laughs> no, just think of think think of it from his perspective, right? He I, I genuinely rated or rate him, you know, on Sky. I think he's interesting. Yeah. Um, and he does a bit of analysis. I think like it's been unfortunate that the times he's come onto Twitter to say something. He's probably been sort of in the paddock bubble, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the group thing that they have. He's come and actually probably tried to go away from that, but not sufficiently far enough and got a, a lot of sort of heat. I wouldn't call it abuse necessarily. There may have been some. Um, and so he probably, having a few times done that, thinks, who are these idiots on Twitter? What's going on? And, you know, he's gone on this blocking spree. So that, I'm, I'm trying to see it from his perspective. Having said that, you know, his views have been wrong. Uh, so, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Yeah. 
Well, Karun, if you ever listen to our podcast, I disagree with F1 Blog. I love you. Please unblock me on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) His mind is like an encyclopedia. I think he does have an impressive knowledge and love for the sport. And yeah, I think it's fine to disagree with people online. But I don't know. Maybe maybe he will reply to our email and come on the show one day and we can can ask him about it. Yeah. (laughs) We keep deviating away from Australia. We keep forgetting to talk about it. What do we think is going to happen? Is our favorite driver going to have a good time? Well, I was going to ask F1 Black because he's been watching. You've been watching longer than I have. And I didn't watch Formula One between 2009 and 2014. So I don't know what it was like to be a fan of Formula One there. In the meantime, while Mercedes kind of fix themselves and get their car working again, what is the psychology of going into these races knowing Lewis may not necessarily win? You know, like how do you keep the hopes up while being his fan, because you guys went through some pretty tough years, you and Arfat, when you were his fans, you know, before the Mercedes era. Yeah, and I mean, I should say that I was earlier about to say that I went to the Belgian Grand Prix, and that was the one where he crashed by hitting one of the drivers oh. at the end of uh, Le Com. So you know, oh, it was no. another bad. And all my friends laughed because they were all sort of Jensen Button fans, uh, oh, you know, which increased no. my. So, so I think, yeah, we're not, we're not there. We're not there. I, I, I've probably written off the first half of the season, mm. and that's just a kind of way of, you know, like if you have low expectations, they can't be dashed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it would be logistic, logistical supremacy for Mercedes to bring any sort of upgrades uh, to Albert Park. So I would guess performance gaps will be about the same. They'll be about, you know, three quarters of a second behind. They won't do anything too crazy on the setup. So Hamilton will qualify fifth or sixth. Mm. And that's where I expect him to finish. You never know. What do you think? Eric? Yeah, I think I, it's about setting your expectations. So, you know, I, I talked about on Twitter how there was a race, I think it was Korea 2012, where Lewis finished in 10th place. But I still found that performance amazing because he just didn't give up. He had like AstroTurf hanging off his car. So someone doesn't need to win to be inspiring. And I don't know, on, on my personal thing, the the hope that I have for the, this first part of the season is Carlos Sainz gets his first win. That's what I'm sort of rooting for, if you like. So I like that you said somebody doesn't have to win to be inspiring, and I agree. But you have to win to be in the fight for the championship. If you can, can Lewis? I guess my question is: if he's not in it for the first four or five or six races, is there still enough time, you know, onwards after that for him to fight back into the championship lead? Do you think yeah, so? Yeah, I mean, I think there is. Mm-hmm. If if you look at um, the the front two teams at the moment, Ferrari have got two drivers capable of winning. Uh, Red Bull, it looked like Perez was on course to win the race until he pitted just before that safety mm-hmm. car uh, caused by our friend. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I I would hope to see all four of those drivers winning, which might sound like a weird thing for yeah. a Lewis Hamilton fan to say. Um, and similarly, the teams, if there are two constructors that are evenly matched, mm-hmm. then they're going to take points off of each other. Mm-hmm. And so um, by the time Mercedes get back into it, yes, of course, they'll be a long way back. But let's not forget how far back Lewis was with four races to go, mm-hmm. I think after Austin or whatever it was, or mm-hmm. Mexico last mm-hmm. last season. And he still, in my view, won the world championship, yeah. you, know, you know, in terms of uh, points. Performance, so yeah. It's still possible, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, that's fair. I, I, I mean, so they're supposed to bring this new rear wing to Australia and my hope is that it gives them a little bit of a boost and Lewis can fight for P4 if he can get P4 I would be ecstatic that's my 
that's my prediction. Um, but I hope he doesn't qualify like 10th or 15th or whatever. That would be awful. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think is going to win the race? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I think it'll be the Ferraris. Because um, I don't, I, there are some high speed sections. You've mentioned they're going to try and speed the track up. But, you know, fundamentally, there's a lot of sort of medium speed, low speed corners. And all the Ferrari running teams, their drivers have reported great sort of uh, low end traction. So I would expect Leclerc or Sainz to win. Uh, and I think it is possible that Hamilton. Uh, we'll get fourth. Look, he came third in the first race. Clearly, mm. there was a freak result with the Red Bulls not putting enough fuel in. I mean, sorry, having fuel pump uh, <laughs> issues. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's possible. It might need a bit of luck. But yeah. What do you think? Who do you think is going to win the race? I, th- I think I really like it to be Carlos Sainz. I think that would be really nice. But if any either of the Ferrari wins, I think I, I'd be happy with that. Um or even, or even like Checo would be a good win. Um, basically anyone but Max. But yeah, no, no. Realistically though, I, I think you're right. I think it's going to be one of the Ferraris. I think it's going to be very much in between them, like 50-50 between the Red Bull and the Ferrari. Uh, I am curious to know if AlphaTauri can fix their powertrain issue by the time you know Australia comes in. Because um, that's going to plague the, the Red Bull power teams for a while if they can't get a hold, a hold on it. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Arfat? I agree. I think I would like to see Sainz win the race, but my feeling is it's going to be Leclerc with Sainz mm. in P2 and probably Verstappen in P3. I was just Googling there the weather prediction for uh, Australia. the race. Yeah. What it part of like Australia is it, in? is it? Is it like Melbourne. Brisbane? Oh, Melbourne. I only know two cities, Melbourne. Oh, no, I know three and Sydney. So... Our Australian listeners are going to be very disappointed in me. But I'm an American, and they don't teach us geography. So it's not my fault. <laughs> very good. You think, you've also not been watching F1 long enough, because you'll know that before <laughs> Melbourne, they were in Adelaide. So just uh, oh. long, yeah, long-term watchers, they'll know that one too. That's a fourth city I now know. Adelaide. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> What's the capital of Australia? The capital uh, of good. Australia? Yeah. Um, don't say A. I'm going to guess Sydney. Is it Sydney? Is it not nope. Sydney? No. Nope. What is so famous about Sydney? The Opera House? It's like New York isn't the capital of the USA. But well, it Toronto should be. isn't the capital um, of Canada. Yeah. I don't know. What is the capital of, of Australia? Canberra. Ah. Oh, it's I've a boring, like, purpose-built place for, like, government <laughs> buildings and nothing else. Have you got something against the Commonwealth? You're just trying to insist. First, all Canadian drivers should be bad for their uh, And the capital. I mean, to be honest, Australians will probably admit uh, that Canberra isn't uh, the most interesting city. But there we are. I disavow. I, I, I would love to go to Melbourne and Sydney and Perth and all these other places. But as a tourist, there's not much for me in Canberra. Hmm. You know what, F1 Black? From elementary school, we're taught that the British were the bad guys. They ruined our lives. I remember doing like little reenactments in school about the oppressive British stepping on the necks of the Americans. We've been doing that since we were six and seven years old. So that's all I know is that Arafat and you are the enemy and we must retake our land from you guys. That's all, I, that's all I've been taught my whole life. Wait, what? Re- retake what land? New York? You've got it. <laughs> yeah. And, well and more. And more. You know. And more. <laughs> okay, we, we, you can have Cornwall, maybe. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Do you know what? If you if you if you put up a good deal, we'll give you all of Wales as well. <laughs> wow! Now actually. you're really starting to get close to the bone. I, I have some good friends in Wales, actually. Well, they're so, American so now, so you can go visit them on your American holiday. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. I, I like right, this. So we've got our predictions locked deal. in for Australia. Anything else that we need to get through before we sign out and sit and pray for a week that Lewis has a good result? <laughs> Nothing from my I end. Don't, I don't know if you've spoken about it before, but did you see Lewis um, tweet about sort of mental health and the mm. struggles that he's going through and trying to uplift others? Um, you know, he bounced into this season. He did that um, event at the Dubai Expo um, yeah. and seemed so energetic. Yeah. Uh, and it, it perhaps it makes you realize that what's on the surface isn't always the full story. So I hope, you know, I hope he's uh, doing okay. And I actually found that message really inspiring as well. Yeah. And I think other drivers have talked about this as well. What, what I found surprising was recently Nico Rosberg has talked about his mental health. And he was saying, you know, his performances and things improved a lot and he was uh, seeing a psychologist multiple times a week for really, really long sessions And but he was too embarrassed to ever let anybody know he says, now that I'm out of Formula 1 I can talk about it, but I feel like if I told people then, it would give them a competitive advantage over me because they might think I'm weak or something, mm. so I thought that was quite sad um, Yeah. and I hope, you know, Lewis being able to talk about this openly, because you know, if the seven-time world champion can talk about this, then hopefully other drivers can talk about this as well and normalize it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, it, it, it's okay to seek support and look externally and it's not a sign of weakness because even if Lewis has this, he can still go on and win and dominate. So it can affect anyone. Yeah, I really appreciated that Total Wolf said in his Harvard interview that he's a very... Uh, emotional person and very sensitive person and he needs like therapy and things to process difficult um, moments um, I think it's really important to being a good driver as well it's like like you said like if you fall into like the trap of Roman Grosjean Nicholas Latifi where they're just in this negative area of this dark cloud of emotions you're just not going to perform well either so yeah I mean I, I, I like that that both of these people Toto and Lewis have been open about their mental health and uh, the only thing I, I kind of wish is sometimes, like, before a race, we'll be really nervous, or after a bad quality, we'll all be really nervous, and then Lewis will get on the mic, and he'll also be really nervous, and it's not really great for us as fans to be like, oh, no, he's also nervous, but at the same time, like, there's not much we can do about that, so. I, I know what you mean about that, because, like, you know if Lewis has a bad result or something, yeah, like... Uh, watching races with my dad my dad gets really like oh no it's the whole year's a waste from 2014 till now every year my dad goes no the, the season's over Lewis isn't going to become championship this year <laughs> like he's always really but if Lewis comes on and he's P3 and he's got a smile on his face then my dad comes down and he's like oh okay yeah everything's fine Lewis is smiling so I'm smiling so mm-hmm. you know people's energy affects other people and that's that's cool yeah yeah, and um, to build on that, you know, you often hear people criticise Lewis on the radio uh, because he's saying, uh, oh, you know, what's happened? Why am I out in tenth mm. behind so-and-so? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, the tone of his voice is showing uh, that he's frustrated. What I really like over the last few years is actually he's turned that into a strength because mm. people can't tell whether he means it or whether it's a bluff. 
Uh, mm. So, you know, Bono, my tyres are gone. People used to lampoon Lewis because he would just seem like he was giving up, um, you know, gutted mm. in the middle of a race. And actually, it could be a, a double bluff. So, look, he's one of the, you know, uh, highest performing sports people in our lifetimes. And the fact that he can have mental health issues shows that, you know, it's OK, as you say, for, for any of us uh, to have that. And, um, you know, I, I hope that the the pressure that he puts himself under, which he must demand of himself, yeah. you know, to mm-hmm. hit those performances. I, I hope that doesn't, um, you know, affect him this season, given how slow the car is. I hope so, too. Um, just a reminder to our listeners, we do have an ongoing promotion with the Etsy shop, Little Prince 3D. Uh, they've kindly offered to uh, give us 10% off on any orders that we place. You can have a 3D printed track. I've just got mine come in. Uh, it's on the wall, so I can't show it to you people who are listening. But it's a, it's a really nice uh, print of Silverstone. Um, and, and they've done all the tracks. You can get the entire set for the year. You can even get the Le Mans track. Uh, the code is slow pit stop. You'll get 10% off. It's only running for a few more weeks. So we highly encourage everyone to try and take advantage of that. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. F1 Blag, it's been great having you on. And we hope to see you very soon in the future. Maybe to play some donuts and drivers with us. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Um, Thanks for having me. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Oh, they're slow. It's a slow pit stop, Coffee. This has been a production for Not That Good Media.